Welcome to PB&J Connection. This will not be televised podcast. Thanks for checking us out. I'm PB. And I'm Jay. Our health-related discussions will convey educational information about medical research, studies, facts, findings, and experiences of people from every walk of life. Concepts will be simple and easy to understand. We've got you covered, and we promise to not be boring. So let's dive into the world of health you won't find on your television. Welcome, listeners. This is PBJ Connection. Um, Thank you for listening to us today. We're going to be discussing lithium, as a matter of fact. Our previous podcast related to alkaline household batteries, and we thought it would be a a good segue to talk about lithium um, and some of the uses of lithium relative to household products, uh, medical products, and uh, electric vehicles. So Pam's going to tell us what lithium is and some other interesting facts. So take it away, Pam. Thank you, Jay, for that intro. So let's talk about lithium. What is lithium? A lot of people don't even know what lithium is other than they know it's a a mineral and it's actually, it's like anything else, a metal that's extracted from the earth. So lithium uh, was discovered as as a, a mineral and it was many years ago. And so the name itself, and I'm just, this is just a factoid, um, that the name lithos is Greek for stone. So that's what it is. It's, it's a soft silvery metal and has the lowest density of all the metals, thereby giving it the lightest uh, metal, making it the lightest metal, but it re- reacts to water, strangely enough. It actually will float in water as a metal, it can float in water, and if it reacts to that water, the reaction to the nitrogen that's in the air, it smells like ammonia. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, so, and, and that's because of the combination of the nitrogen in the air and the salt that it forms. So, like I said, lithium does not, it, it doesn't occur naturally in nature, but it's combined with small small amounts in every igneous rock and and water that you can find and you can find it also in many mineral springs you can find lithium so just basically just for for factual information is the country with the largest known lithium reserves is australia and it's a major player in lithium in the lithium market but second and third largest producers are Chile and China, respectively. However, most people don't know this. They're, on a small scale, the U.S. is actually mining lithium. There are a couple of major companies that are doing uh, large-scale production and mining of, of, of lithium. One of them, this was just announced January 4th of 2024. Uh, Livet Corporation, with, which is a production facility in Bassmer City, North Carolina, and Alkin Laboratories of Mumbai, merged to create a new lithium company called Arcadium. Now here it is, with roughly $1.9 billion of combined income revenue from these two companies with a global team of about 2,600 employees. Arcadium Lithium is one of the largest integrated producers of lithium chemicals in the entire world. Wow. So I've got a question for you, Pam, that you may or may not be able to answer. And so I apologize to listeners. No. This is my curiosity here. So when, when lithium is mined, so it's something that has to be extracted from what is mined, correct? It's not like, oh, I found a big chunk of lithium. It's not like that, right? It, it's correct, something that has correct. to be so extracted. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So there's two types of, of mining that's done in uh, uh, extraction of, of lithium. Um, there's a brine pool extraction and there's the hard rock mining. So there is a, a process. So in the brine pool extraction, it involves pumping lithium-rich brine 
from underground reservoirs of salty water. So it goes underground and extracts that water to the surface and then to, uh, it, the water evaporates, leaving a, a, you know these concentrations of lithium. Okay, so, so yeah, so that, that makes it, it, it like real sediment. easy. Yeah, but it makes it real easy to extract that way. And so, uh, then there's the hard, hard rock mining. Now, the hard rock mining involves the extraction of lithium from mineral deposits and that's found in rocks. And it requires more energy and intensive processes. The mine rocks goes through this crushing process, right? They crush the rocks and then they extract the lithium from the crushed rock. Because okay. remember, I said the lithium can be found in any rock form, okay. you know, igneous rock form. The process involves crushing the ores itself, and then it goes through a separation process to obtain the lithium concentrate. And so, I'm sorry, I'm going to ask you another question that you may or may not know. So are there more areas that are lithium rich versus not so lithium rich is that why there's such a huge uh, uh, area in Australia for example because it's their their rocks have more lithium is that how that works that's how it works it basically works and they go through this geospatial detection to find out where lithium is found okay. you know around and this is around the world you know um, and so they can detect where the greatest amount of lithium is located. And okay. Australia tends to be the largest known source, resource for lithium. But also, you know, we talked about uh, Chile and China, and, as well as Argentina. But there are places in the U.S. Uh, there's one place, it's called uh, Silver Peak, Nevada. And that there is a significant presence of lithium in that area. And then, like I said, this company that merged, uh, Lithium Corporation, which is out of North Carolina, and and the, the, what they did was they just decided that we're gonna merge with this other laboratory company that actually uses or or, or tests and, and does research on lithium. And so they're, they're actually merging, making them the largest uh, integrated producers in the U.S. of lithium chemicals. So, you know, when we look at these mining, this this brine pool mining, um, yes, we talk about the way it's done by going underground and, and taking the water, you know, the salty water going into these reservoirs and, and extracting that if that that salty water out and let it evaporate so that they can extract the separation process so they can extract the, the lithium. Now this has a lower impact than our hard rock mining that we talked about. However, this does not exclude it from the environmental impacts that it has on us, on, on the earth, because of the fact that you have to use the water usage that it takes to actually um, remove this, move this salt from the earth and then you always have these pools or, or leaks that could actually accelerate the deterioration of the ecosystem. And, and so, and so and you may, again, you may or may not know this, but so similar to fracking, where uh, there are pockets of, of gas that are extracted uh, to obtain for, for fuel, I have to wonder whether taking the water out that you know that briny water you were talking about also leaves like uh caves if you will like empty caves where there used there was water there but now it's right. been pulled out to get the lithium so you have to wonder so is that going to become a sinkhole now or is that going to contribute to uh, an earthquake if one happens you know in that area and that part i don't know i do know that it is depleting the water resources mm. within the earth. Okay. Okay. Long-term impact, you got to think about what's on the ground. Right. 
Exactly. You know, I can't grow a plant or a tree if the ground is salty. Yeah. If it's got these brine pools, which I say come out, you know, these are the leaks. Because once you take it out, you know, and you remove the drill, of course you're going to have a leak because it's still spewing, right? And so you got to think about the environmental impact when you looked at trees and, and flowers and, and just basically flora and fauna um, because we've talked about animals as well, you know? Um, animals don't have a, you know, they thirsty. They'll find anything that looks like liquid. <laughs> Yeah. Right to, to quench that thirst, and so, but here it is. We think about the the way that the the mining is done, and we're talking about environmental. But there's also an occupational hazards for these workers that are involved in lithium extraction, particularly in the hard rock mining, because the exposure to the dust and fumes that are emitted into, you know, into the atmosphere or in an environment in which this mining is done, you know, they, respiratory problems, increased respiratory and people's overall well-being. So, like I said, lithium is toxic, but not in small amounts. But when you're out there mining, you're extracting a lot of, a lot of toxic chemicals into the environment and into your lungs. And even if you have the proper equipment, and, and I'm assuming there is, which I don't know, I'm sure there's equipment that they use when they go in and do these minings, I assume. But just like coal mining, they didn't have proper equipment. You know? and, and, uh, so, and you know what else, too, is, is if the workers, if the, if the equipment, if the personal protective equipment that workers use is uncomfortable, it makes them... Uh, hot, you know, if, it, if they get too hot wearing it, if it becomes cumbersome, a lot of workers will just take it off because yeah. they don't want to have to fool with it. Yes, not not absolutely. knowing the, the possible the exposure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like any job you go into, you, whatever they give you as for, for safety caution, safety precautions, if you don't use what they've given you, then guess what? The liability is not on the company. It's on you. You know, so we have to, you know, the impact is not just environmental, but it's occupational. And so I don't know the exact numbers of exposures and deaths related to lithium mining. Um, and, and you can go on Google and find, and people can go and find that for itself. Um, but you know, when you talk about the gases, and, and even though, you know, the brine pool extraction is less in, invasive, less of an environmental impact, there's still, you talk about water resources depletion within the earth. You know, we have to think about that. You know, as, as the high water consumption just for the mining operation, it's going to impact the local water supply of whatever area that it's in, as well as the ecosystem and the communities. And people are not going to be able to live in those areas, one, because of, one, the existence of the water, right? The, you know, and as well as what contaminants are contained in the water. Right. And from so, all this mining. And I'll, and I'll bet a dollar to a donut, as they say, that in some of the countries where they don't give a, a you-know-what about a you-know-what about the people right. who are indigenous to that area because it's all about the money, they don't care if they, they shut them out of their, you know, their location and they have to find somewhere else to go or that they generate some kind of um, environmental hazard or pollution or some other kind of something that's impacting their way of life or their health or their livelihood um, because some of the other countries don't don't have that level of care like the United States like like mm -hmm. some of the foreign countries don't have like an OSHA like uh, I would say I would say yeah. China probably doesn't have 
an OSHA-like agency <laughs> that well, governs the... Here it is. They do for their country. Because I have to say, even though China is, sends a lot of things over here that are hazardous, uh-huh. their people, their, people their, their natives are not getting the same things that we get. They're not getting the same products we get. They're not getting the same downloads on the internet that we, we get. Um, and and it's, it's kind of, when you see the differences in what China is doing for its people and what the U.S. is doing for its people, you have to say China is a better option, you know, honestly. I don't, you know, I would say the working conditions over in China are a lot, and I don't know this for sure, I'm just making an assumption, because I have to believe that the reason why uh, the United States has so many things made in China is because it's cheaper, because the labor is cheaper, because they are not afforded the protections and the kind of work-life balance, if you will, uh, for Chinese workers as they do for U.S. workers, which is why a lot of the manufacturing, I think, and I don't know this for sure, listeners. I'm I'm making some assumptions here. I have not researched researched it, but I would think that a lot of the reason why manufacturing moved over to China was because of the cost. It's like you know we can make a million hats over here for fifty dollars, whereas if we left the manufacturing in the United States, you know it would have cost us an arm and a leg to have that same hat manufactured. I'm guessing. You know what, I, I have to agree with you, you know, just by, just instinctively, I'm just going to say <laughs> instinctively, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely on point on that. Yeah, I don't know um, for sure. So. Me either, me either. And, and that's something that our, if our listeners want to, to delve into and look up, please, I'm sure there's something on the internet that's going to, to answer that question. So when we look at cost, just the cost of mine, um, and we look at the the brine process, the brine extraction, um, it's estimated the costs range from two thousand to five thousand dollars per ton of lithium produced. Now, like I said, generally the a brine pool extraction has lower production costs compared to the hard rock. And the hard rock is estimated cost is between four thousand to six thousand for ton of production. Um, so, you know, when it all comes down to it, and I'm I'm not necessarily focused on the cost, uh, but I just wanted people to know that it it costs a lot for ton in in monetary, but it costs more in lives lost because of the production of it. So, I mean, even in the case when we talked about this in, um, in our podcast about batteries, so a lithium battery contains various chemicals. We talked about, you know, cobalt oxide, which pose a serious health threat when exposed. And then the inhalation of all these chemicals because remember, we're emitting these things out into the atmosphere. We talk about skin problems as well as respiratory problems. So as much as we feel or we are excited about getting away from fossil fuels, lithium may not be the answer, you know? And, and lithium is used in so many products that, that if you look at our, listen to our battery, uh, podcast Magic Mountain, you'll see that, you know, the amount of chemical exposures that go into the ground as well as to the air, it is astronomical. And it's no, it's impossible for a human in this, on this earth, on this earth, I'm not talking about just in the United States, but on this earth to live in a, a non-toxic environment. And, and Pam, <clears throat> you and I talked about this offline, and it's always been my opinion. And as you know, I always express my opinion, no matter if someone <laughs> wants to hear it or not. Right. <laughs> so people uh, in the United States, I have heard, um, especially in the corporate world, say that nuclear energy is such a, a, a better way of providing 
power to the United States so that we've got these nuclear power plants. However, no one ever wants to talk about the spent nuclear rods and the, and the, and the nuclear waste that nobody wants. And by the way, it doesn't, it doesn't dissipate. It doesn't go away for like thousands, hundreds and thousands of years. So they have to find somewhere to bury it. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's great while it lasts. And then what do you do with the waste? And so, and, and you know, the same thing I think goes for uh, most of the heavy metals that we've talked about in our podcasts. So. So, Jay, I know you you got some information that I'm excited to hear because a lot of this mining that goes on is because of the demand of consumers. One in particular, which is electrical vehicles. Yeah, uh, electrical vehicles. And so Pam alluded to how many of the uh, other things that have lithium batteries in them. And... I tell you what, I looked at the list and I was like, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. So before I start talking about EVs, I'm just gonna give you a, a list here. And Pam, you uh, interrupt me if you can think of other things too, uh, besides this list. I've got a, a bulleted list I collected. Smartphones, laptops, portable chargers, charging stations, Bluetooth devices, e-bikes, toys, e-cigarettes, E-cigarettes. I didn't even think about e-cigarettes. Did you? No. <laughs> um, wireless earbuds, drones, um, lawnmowers. Because you've seen the, the, the lawnmowers that are just running on the battery, right? Not, on a, not with a cord, not with gas. No. Um, snowblowers, same thing. Chainsaws, same thing. Solar panels have the, oh. the lithium batteries. Yes, because they have to collect the energy that's generated by the sun. I didn't even I think didn't about solar think about panels. That. I was like, oh, <laughs> who knew? Um, portable diagnostic medical devices, blue, uh, blood glucose meters, pregnancy tests, right? When you get the thing that the says thing? it's plus or minus, pregnancy the tests. Thing? Yeah. <laughs> Pulse oximeters, electrocardiograms, and rapid antigen tests. Implantable devices such as pacemakers, drug pumps, neurostimulators, and cardiac defibrillators. Pet supplies, heating and cooling vests. Have you seen those cool things that if you go outside and you're shoveling snow, you can wear a heated vest? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Lithium ion batteries are in there. Who knew? I didn't even, it didn't, I mean, it just didn't occur to me how much we have that aren't even, you know, on a, on a bigger platform like um, electrical vehicles. So holy oh, there was smoke. one that I, I saw that also cameras. Oh yeah, cameras. Yep, I saw that one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Control. Yeah, I have lithium in it. Yeah. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. So can we get away from lithium? Uh, I have at this point. Well, <laughs> I haven't seen any indication that we can. I've seen lots of talk about it. So um, I'll answer. But I'll answer. I'll go ahead and answer that one first. Yeah before yeah. I talk about the other stuff. So I was looking at some articles about um, what else could be used besides lithium for electric vehicles, because that's the big deal. That's the most expensive one. That's the one that's got, you know, these huge battery packs. Right. And so the articles that I read indicated that they're working on a solid state solution. But here you go, folks. The solid state battery still has a lithium component to it. Not, not as much as a regular lithium battery pack, but it's still a part of it. So as I was looking um, at these articles, and this is off of um, uh, marketbeat.com, there was an article on solid state versus lithium. And this is from January, 2024, by the way. This isn't old news, this is new news. Um, this company called QuantumScape Company has been developing the next generation solid state lithium metal batteries for electric vehicles. The auto tires and trucks sector company has been developing and testing its technology since 2022 and announced its first solid state battery endurance test results with its partner Volkswagen. So as folks may know, Volkswagen is a German company. And so 
Uh, it goes on to describe how the lithium ion batteries work in an electric vehicle. And it said, the batteries use a liquid electrolyte allowing lithium ions to travel between the cathode and anode during the charging and discharging cycle. The liquidity um, electrolytes are flammable and can pose safety risks. Solid state batteries have no liquidity electrolytes. Instead, it uses a solid ceramic or polymer electrolyte. And oh, by the way, I don't think it's the same electrolyte that you get in Gatorade, folks. So when they talk about electrolytes, so I should, don't get confused about the word electrolyte. And so it says solid state batteries have more layers with denser packaging of ions in the solid electrolyte, resulting in significantly more energy per unit volume than lithium ion batteries. And here's the, here's the, the, the great thing about solid state. They can charge much faster in minutes versus hours since the solid electrolyte allows for more rapid, mo rapid movement of lithium ions. See, it's still talking about how lithium is still a part of a solid state battery. Now, with that said, I did see a couple of articles that said, yeah, 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 people have been talking about that solid state battery thing for, for a long time now. No one's come up with anything that really works. Blah, 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 blah. Um, Toyota, this is from Reuters, um, an article, again, from January 2024. Toyota, the world's biggest automaker, automaker ahead of VW, had targeted a 2025 production startup date for its solid-state batteries, but said in June it now doesn't expect to produce the cells at scale before 2027 or 2028. And Pam and I know from working in the aerospace industry that when people start talking about dates, you want to maybe want to add five years to whatever they tell you because it usually doesn't come to fruition as soon as they want it to. And so uh, Toyota said it achieved a technical breakthrough without providing any details um, beyond a projected driving range of 750 miles or more and charging time of 10 minutes. So they didn't give any details about what their techn technical breakthrough was, but they did say, hey, what we found was we can get a, a 750 miles uh, on one charge, and it's only going to be 10 minutes that you have to wait for that charge. So uh, I'm not going to go into all this other stuff. Uh, listeners, you can look on uh, the Internet about solid-state battery developments and what the technology entails. It's pretty interesting but that's going to segue into my discussion about current electric vehicles and uh, the lithium batteries and what the, what, the, what the problem is, if you will, with lithium batteries. And problem or problems? Pro problems, plural. Thank you, Pam. Yes, problems. Right. Yeah, problems. Because Pam already talked about how you get the lithium out of the, out of the ground, but there's other problems. So let's talk about, um, I went to, to usafacts.org. Um, that's a, a website that just has a, a comprehensive list of facts. And it was talking about electrical vehicles and, uh, oh boy, here's, hold on to your hat. Because this was pretty enlightening. At least I thought it was. Maybe I'm just... Uh, maybe I'm just not an interesting person because I thought it was interesting. But So, in the United States, and this is only United States, this is not Europe, so I don't know what the facts are for Europe, um, more than 56,000 electric, electric vehicle charging stations exist, and that's as of November 2022. And that is based on the Alternative Fuels Data Center's statistics. So 56,000 sounds like a lot, doesn't it? It does sound like a lot, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah. you know, when they report things, the problems with it, it seems like it's more. Okay, so let me, let me burst your bubble because it's not a lot. But let me tell you the states that have the largest number of charging stations. That would be California. They've got over 15,000. New York has 3,500 plus. And then Florida has a little over 3,000, with Alaska having 58. <laughs> so about 52,000 of the charging stations 
that, um, that exist are publicly available. That means anybody can use them, right? Almost 4,000 of those stations are private, meaning they are dedicated to only people that are allowed to use them, right? Or installed on their homes. No, it didn't even talk about, the, no, these aren't even residential. This, okay. is, ex, this is excluding residential. Okay. These are like on the highway, at the gas station, or wherever they put charging stations. Um, shopping centers, I'm not even sure because I, I haven't seen any charging stations. I think I saw maybe one at a hotel one time. Um, to, uh, I've, I've been through Delaware, Maryland, Delaware, Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and honestly, the charge, the amount of charging stations is unbelievable. Every gas station you go to, yeah, you're gonna so, find charging stations. So, it's also said on this website, USAFacts.org, that of the statistics that they compiled about 4,000 of the stations that they were able to find are designated as temporarily unavailable and under maintenance. <laughs> so, so subtract about 4,000 from the 56,000 that I said earlier. Um, and then it said to use a station, you typically have to become a member. And then the sites collect your information and your user data using an internet hookup. So not only are you charging up your vehicle, but yeah, that's another way to collect your information. Who knew, right? Yes. <laughs> Who knew? I didn't know how, I didn't know really, honestly, I didn't know how they were paying for, you know, their, when they go to the charging station. Yep. And I've seen people at charging stations sitting in the passenger seat yep. waiting for it to charge. I'm like, oh, yeah. how long does this thing take to charge? But yeah. I didn't Hold, know how they were paying for it. Yeah. Hold on to your hack. So I'm going to tell you how long it takes to charge. So, um, with the uh, charging stations that they have out there now, the number would have to be tripled over the next eight years to support the anticipated number of electric vehicles on the road by 2030. So those charging stations, you think, oh, who owns those? Who puts it? The state puts those up? Does the federal government put those out? Who, how do they get there? Who builds those things? Well, this particular website said that the charging stations are managed by about 30 private companies. 30 private companies. More than two-thirds of the charging stations are controlled by three of those 30 private companies. Two-thirds. Two-thirds are controlled by three of the 30 private companies. I repeated that because it's a pretty sobering concept that these charging stations that people have to use are controlled primarily by three companies. So and I can tell you one because they, they put their name all over the charging station, Tesla. Yes, and, and <laughs> I got a, a, a tidbit of information about Tesla too. So one of the companies uh, is called ChargePoint. They host the largest network of charging stations in the United States with approximately 30,000 or 53% of all the sites across the nation. Again, this does not include residential stations, right? Other large companies include Tesla. They have 6,000 stations. And this is data from November 2022, remember. So this is, these could have increased um, since then. And then the third company is called SEMA Connect Network, and they have more than 2,300 sites. Now, the Biden administration has allocated billions of dollars, that's billions with a B, like boy, across the 50 states in Puerto Rico to help develop the infrastructure to fuel electric vehicles. But to complete that task, it's going to take additional private or public funding. So even though that's billions of dollars, it's not enough money. It's not enough money. And oh, by the way, I just have to say this. If a new administration comes along and says, oh yeah, you know the billions of dollars to do that? Yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. I'm going to pull that money and we're going to use it for something else. That's a possibility, right? Just because the current administration wants to do it and says it's a good thing doesn't mean it won't be reversed. Because how many times have we seen that, Pam? Many times. Right. Many times. Okay, so now, 
take t listen to this very carefully at each charging station that doesn't indicate how many ports how many plugs i'm just going to say plugs because that's a that's a, a nomenclature that we are familiar with plugs we don't know how many plugs are in each charging station could be there's only one right just because there's 56,000 stations doesn't mean there's 56,000 plus plugs. Could be just right. one. Could be just one. And here's something else. The types of plugs that are in these charging stations are of three different kinds. There's a level one, a level two, and a direct current. Right? Now, this website says of the 56,000 stations there are there are about 148,000 ports and we don't know ports meaning plugs i'm just going to say plugs i'm sorry i said i was going to say plugs but i said ports again so just say plugs approximately 9300 stations are classified as non-networked means that the the stations that they have documented and have mapped are non-networked. They're not on the internet. No one's collecting information from those from oh, those locations. Okay. So, so they don't even know the, the the details about those. So charging time, this is what you were asking about. Charging time can range from less than 20 minutes to several hours, depending on the type of plug, level one, level two, or direct current. So wouldn't you like to be hanging around wherever you, you've got your vehicle plugged in? <laughs> While or, their car is well, charging. What am oh I going to do God. here? And say, say your charging station is in, you know, I don't know, uh, let's say a rest stop. Right. Let's say a rest stop where there's nothing around except vending machines and people with cars going to the bathroom, right, using the facilities. Wouldn't you like to? Wouldn't you like to hang around there for a couple of hours while your car is charging? Up? Here it is. I couldn't understand because I went and, you know, you go in these charging stations and somebody has already is sitting there at the charging mm -hmm. station. You pull in and you get your gas and go into the gas station. Might get a cup of coffee or something like that. You don't got your gas. They're still sitting at the charging station. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. They are still. They are still there waiting. And so, uh, according to this website, approximately two percent of the plugs are level one, and they charge at a rate of five miles of range per hour. Oh my goodness! Um, thankfully. Uh, about 80% of the ports are level two, which charge at a rate of 25 miles of range per hour. 18, less than 20% of the plugs that are at these charging stations are direct current. And those are the fast charging ports with a rate of 100 to 200 or more miles of range per 30 minutes of charging. So you would only have to spend a half hour to get 100 to 200 miles um, charged up on your battery. And that's the one that everybody wants, right? That's that's what every, but that is less than twenty percent. Less than twenty percent of the fifty-six thousand charging stations across the United States. Yeah, and I'm sure that the the, the level that's required, the level of the plug-in, actually, the price increases of the vehicle based on the level of the plug-in, right? Well. And then, so, because me, I'm always going to be Debbie Downer, Pam, right? Because I'm always thinking about the most horrible situation. So what happens if that charging station is out of order? Oops. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm, I'm out of juice, and this is the only charging station for another 50 miles. Right. What do you do then? You, what do you get? Uh -huh. You can't get a jump from somebody, as far as no, I know. Can't. It's not like a battery cable. Yeah, can you give me a? Can you plug? Can I plug into your vehicle so I can get some juice, right? So, anyway, so here's here's something else that I thought was very interesting. 
So the Federal Highway Administration, which I think is under the Department of Transportation in the United States, they have designated portions of the highway across the United States. They're called alternative fuel corridors. I had never heard about that. For these corridors, um, electric vehicle drivers are assured that there are charging stations along the way. However, <laughs> however, to be designated as one of these corridors, that highway section that you're traveling on has to have one of those fast charging ports every 50 miles or less. And those stations have to be situated a mile or less from the highway. Now, you would think, oh wow, but there's, they must be all over the place. But no, because we've already talked about there's not that many across the United States, right? And it says these corridors are not equal, newsflash, these corridors are not equally distributed throughout the United States. Drivers can go hundreds of miles along an, a corridor in some parts of the country, but in other places there wouldn't be one nearby. Shocking, simply shocking. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, you know what? I, 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 I love my car. I'm going to put it that way. I love being able to pull into a gas station, any gas station, anywhere, right? Fuel up, knowing that, you know, even if I'm running low on gas, you know, and I'm sure that these people have to gauge more often about their, their, their efficiency of their vehicle as well as what's available to take them to, from point A to point B. That's too much stress for me. So you just brought up something that I thought, and talk about stress. So here's something that I saw that was really sobering. When they were talking about the um, solid state batteries versus the, um, the lithium batteries, what I saw was the, uh, the, the longevity of a lithium battery compared to a solid state. And so let me see, I'm looking at my, um, I'm looking at my notes here. Um, okay, here we go. So this, this website that I was talking about earlier, lithium ion batteries experience a significant loss of about 80% of original capacity after 500 to 700 charging cycles. At 1,000 charging cycles, a typical lithium-ion EV battery would experience a significant drop towards 60 to 70% of its original capacity. Lithium-ion batteries experience noticeable decreases in power and range as they degrade, eventually costing owners thousands of dollars to replace the batteries, which can also create environmental concerns with discarded batteries. They were comparing the solid-state batteries because they said that solid-state batteries have a longer lifespan. They're more stable, and they degrade much less. But specifically talking about stress, and what you just mentioned, not be, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how many charging cycles have I been on? Is it about 200 or 500? And so 60% of what, you know, 100%. And, so, and, you know, doing these mathematical equations, trying to figure out if you're going to make it to the next charging station. And oh, by the way, if you buy a used vehicle, say you buy a used EV, who knows how many charging cycles they've had? Is, is there a gauge that says this is, you know, the 300th and, and similar to odometers? Can those things be rolled back like people roll back odometers? Because you and I both know when you buy a used car, even today, in today's uh, computerized vehicles, they can still roll back the odometer. I just saw, I just saw a news flash on that, by the way. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They've got this device that does the uh, computer, the computer codes. You know, when you, mm -hmm. your vehicle has, you know, flashes some kind of number or some kind of weirdo thing, and they connect you up to the computer, and they, oh, yeah, that, that means you've got a bad solenoid, yes. blah, blah, blah. They can also use that to roll back your odometer. Back odometer. Yes, ma'am. And there is no paper trail. There is no evidence. There is no, right. no, there's no way someone could go into your car and say someone's rolled back your odometer. 
So that's something else that, oh boy, who knew? Who knew? So, um, so, so I'm, I'm just going to wrap my, my portion up real quick here, Pam, because uh, I know we're, we're long on time. So <clears throat> if we, not taking into consideration what I've, we've already discussed with the mining, with the lack of charging stations, with the uh, battery depletion and all that stuff. So what else, what else do people need to worry about? Well, what about if you have a charging station in your house or you want to you wanna install one? How much is that going to increase your electric bill? Especially if you get a level two uh, charging station. Well, it's going to increase it by 50 to $100 a month, right? Um, okay. This is from the uh, MrElectric.com. Um, it will take three hours to fully charge your vehicle if you have a level two charger. Um, and if you have a level one charger, which is 120 volts, that's going to take you about an overnight to get a full charge in your vehicle. And so, and what does it cost to get something like that installed in your garage? Yeah. I would what think it's going to, I don't know. <laughs> I was asking you. No, just, no yeah, I, I don't know. I've seen, you know, a lot of people have revamped their houses, have, have renovated them, and they put these charging stations in their driveways at the end of their driveways. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just always wondering how much did it cost them to do that? And at, at some point, does it work like the solar panels where you get a certain kickback because of energy usage or it, I don't know. And some, some, some of the articles that I read did talk about a tax incentives, but I don't know. There may, there's probably, I'm guessing here, there's probably so many uh, elements of the criteria that will qualify you, right? If you buy a used EV, is, are you going to get a tax incentive? Probably not because it's used, right? So you have to go buy a new, a new EV. And here's my thing, because again, me being Debbie Downer. So say the United States follows the Biden administration and it installs for billions and billions of dollars in partnership with private industry. And they have all these charging stations, right? There's, they're all over the place. They're like, you know, 7-Elevens and Wawa markets. You know, they're all over the place, right? And then... 10 years from now, someone who's really smart, some brainiac says, oh no, we don't need that. I've invented this. All the money, all the manpower, all the infrastructure that has been changed to accommodate an electrical vehicle, all the, all the vehicles that have been purchased by the public, They've gotten rid of their fossil fuel vehicles. Now what? Now what? What, the, what about the disposal? And what about the disposal? What about the disposal of all of the, that's, you know, we're talking about electric vehicle batteries plus the disposal of all the other things that you and I talked about, the household stuff, that some people are already just thrown in the trash. They're just thrown, because they don't know. I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about pregnancy test thingies having lithium batteries in I, I them. I would have never thought it. I just thought that it, it was a pH strip. Yes. This is what I'm thinking. It was a pH strip that's on the stick, but I didn't know that it was a battery installed in it. I Some kind of. And you know how many of those end up in the trash. And and medical waste. How many hospitals do you think are taking all of their equipment and and putting them, making sure they're recycled. And by the way, say you are in an EV and you're between charging stations and you've miscalculated when you need to get to the next charging station. Again, there's no, there's no jumper cables. Right. Who, who, you can't call AAA. The road ranger's not going to come out there and plug you into their vehicle to, right. to give exactly. you a... So what happens with that? If you're traveling alone, you say you're in a really rural area or you're really in the desert or, I don't know, a cold. Yeah. At, least in a, at least in a fossil fuel vehicle, you can call AAA. Somebody's, somebody's going to come out there and give you a can of gas and you're going to make it to the next. Right. Absolutely. Or a tow truck. Or a jump. Or, or a jump, jump for your or battery. Jump. Right. Right. You know? So 
I just, I am not, in as much as I am very green and a tree hugger and I'm all that in a bag of chips, I'm still not convinced that electric vehicles are the answer. I'm just not convinced. Talk about the the use, and when you talk about the the use of lithium, right, and the inability to recycle properly, all this lithium, I'm just not a fan. I at one point, at one point, and this was a couple of years ago. This is before I knew all the information through the research and just diving in deep, and 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 you and I doing this podcast. I still would have gravitated towards eventually thinking about, for the sake of the planet, to get rid of fossil fuel, um, to, to do an EV. Now, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I, I'm just not. I, I'm not either. And I, I would love to be convinced otherwise. I would love for someone to sit down and, and, and give me more information that would convince me. But for the price of new EVs that are out there and the risks um, for being stranded and, and having to worry about and stress about where the next charging station is and whether it's working and whether it's, I have to wait. Somebody's already right. charging their stuff and right. I, gotta, I gotta sit ass around and wait for them. Right, right. grab a book. Right, because all the plugs are being used by somebody. Right, exactly. It's, it's crazy. Because gas so, stations, we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. We go and get our gas. Like I said, go get a cup of coffee, do whatever. <laughs> you know, and, and they're still sitting there waiting to get 50 miles away or 25 <laughs> miles just to get home. Don't, I don't want I, that idea of being stranded in somewhere that... I may not be familiar with the area. I may not be familiar with if I'm traveling. It, that's too much stress for me. Yeah. I'm with you. So this is a good episode, Jay. A um, lot of information to dump on our listeners. So we have a quote that both Jay and I love, and, and it's so indicative of what we do. And as far as providing information to make your life healthier um, and, and to live in a safe environment uh, is by Gandhi. And it says, Earth provides enough to satisfy every man's needs, but not every man's greed. Smart man. On that note. Smart man, that, that Gandhi guy, right? No, listeners, this is PB and Jay signing off for today. <laughs>